Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Well, Jesus Revolution blew out the numbers over the weekend, so that was awesome. Some good news there. Some bad news for a former Black Panther, (laughs) which actually is kind of funny. To me, Angela Davis, former uh, Black Panther, Marxist, all kinds of You would recognize her if you saw her. Uh, but she, uh, on this PBS this, uh, PBS episode of Finding Your Roots, Henry Louis Gates Jr. is the host. And then they just take uh, famous people and then they dig into their uh, family records and ancestry and figure out. And then they uh, do a show and, and then reveal to them on the show they don't have advance notice. So that was kind of amusing. And given that we are on a plane tomorrow uh, for San Francisco for our son Hayden's wedding on Saturday, I've got some stories about the state of marriage in the United States in terms of people getting married, married, which is really bad. And so I want to touch on that for uh, all of us parents and grandparents out there to uh, be on the lookout for what's happening, especially to our young men. Uh, sons and grandsons. So talk about that. And uh, but also wanted to ask you just uh, open up the phones because I'll, I'll we'll be out of here tomorrow. And so uh, tomorrow we're playing a best of show. And then Wednesday, uh, my buddy, Pastor Chris Connell is going to be in uh, with one of the senior leaders at Biola University in California, which is awesome. They're actually coming here to do an apologetics conference at Cross Assembly uh, coming up here in the Raleigh area. So that's might even be as soon as this weekend. I don't recall. But Pastor Chris will be in on Wednesday. Our good friend Stu Epperson Jr. from the Truth Radio Network will be guest hosting Theology Thursday. On Thursday, he might be doing the show on Friday. I'm not sure yet. If not, we're going to replay a show from John Burke, who's a pastor down in Texas who wrote an incredible book called Imagine Heaven, where he studied uh, NDEs, near-death experiences, for 30 years. I had him on uh, last summer. Fabulous, fabulous really intriguing, encouraging interview. So that would be uh, Friday and then Pastor Chris be back in on Monday. God willing, I'll be back in here next Tuesday. So we'll see how that goes. But if you saw Jesus Revolution over the movie, I, I would love to hear from you so you can uh, uh, inform some other people why they should go see it. Uh, most likely everybody that I've seen online and talked to has just loved the movie and were blown away by the quality. A lot of people that are uh, north of me, I'm 57, so a lot of people that were touched by the Jesus movement personally, uh, if that's you as well, I'd love for you to call in and talk about that. But if you saw the movie or if you were touched personally by the Jesus movement uh, back in the late 60s, 68 through 72, 73, right around in there, uh, I'd love to hear from you, but especially if you saw the movie, 866 348 7884 is the number, 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. They were thinking the industry thought 7.5 million to 8 million. It actually did 15.5 million at the box office this weekend, which is great, slightly behind. Uh, I can only imagine, which ended up doing $80 million, which is mind-boggling for a Christian film. And this one, quality-wise, is even better than I can only imagine. Leaps and bounds just in terms of the quality of, of movie making. And this was really cool. Congratulations to our buddy, uh, John Irwin, who is the director of 
Jesus Revolution, and he and his, his brother Andy run a Kingdom Story Company, which is in uh, conjunction with Lionsgate. So he just became the first director in history. Cinema Score does a – they actually uh, are outside of theaters on opening night and take uh, polling. They basically an exit poll from actual moviegoers the opening night of any film. He's the first director since – Cinema score got going in 1989. He's the first one that's earned four A plus ratings. Nobody else has done that in all of Hollywood. Woodlawn was his first one. Then I can only imagine American Underdog, which is at the end of the year in 2021, and then Jesus Revolution, which just came out. But if you saw Jesus Revolution over the weekend, I would love to uh, to hear your report on that. How did it bless you? What did you think? Uh, give us a call eight six six three four eight. 7884. We'd love to hear your report on that. 866-34-TRUTH. Or if you were touched personally by the Jesus movement, uh, basically 1968 through 72, 73, 74, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And if you were touched by the movement and saw the movie, boy, that would be a home run. 866-348-7884 or 866-34-TRUTH. Our good friend Clay went to see the movie. Clay, what'd you think? Well, first of all, Bro Steve, let me jump on let me let me jump out of the out of the fire and, and onto the platform and share what a God given blessing it was for you. And and I'm, I give thanks to Truth Radio. Thank you, Jesus, for Brother Steve for what you did about three months and one week ago when you opened up the phones and shared for people to send you an email because you know that Two, two days later, we are going to see the premiere of Jesus Revolution. And then, of course, you know, there's a low period. And then we get closer and closer and closer. But, brother, when the early showings came out Wednesday and Thursday of last week, and then the opening started on Friday, I went Friday, not only Friday with a few brothers and sisters in the Lord, but I went also Saturday. And I... <laughs> Brother, let me. I'm I'm giving you thanks, man, because I am so thankful to the Lord for you. Because I am a big advocate for this because of of what took place in that movie. God the Father is involved. The people have opened up. I don't know if you know this, but it ranked at number three. They 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 overperformed in this situation. Oh yeah, and not only that, ninety nine point five percent of the people that went gave it a high mark. Yeah, that's so cool. How did the people respond in the theater you were at, Clay? Where they, because uh, there's a lot of laughter in that movie, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tears of joy too. Well, you can you can basically tell. I mean, you know, that I I got real serious. Um, you know, in the movie, I wore the shirt that you know for the promotion yeah. that you had. Um, you know, I wore it both times. Um, and I told people about the shirt and I shared with them the reason why I was wearing it, uh, because on the front of the shirt, you know, it's got the big orange thing and it's got one way and it's one got way, the baby. hand going That's up right. with one finger. Point and up. I shared with people, even before the movie started, I shared with people, I said, there's this person holding their hand up with the <laughs> finger pointing up. That's right. And I said, there's a reason why that. And I said, you're going to see a lot of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. And also you're going to see them holding up the Bible. That's right. And so I also I also promoted it. Um, That's cool. You know, I'm up against really the break, buddy, but that was the great thing about that when they would and he would hold up the Bible. This is the word of God, and it's true. Uh, let's open it up. That was always so great. And, of course, pointing to the one way. I, I'm up against the break, Clay, but God bless you, brother, man. Thanks for calling in. Did you see it? 
Would you be happy to call? I'd love to hear from you. 866-34-TRUTH. 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. I don't think radical Angela Davis got what she was wanting, something like this. She didn't want this, definitely, but I found it incredibly amusing and uh, and interesting. you got to be careful. got to be humble. We just threw a picture of Angela Davis up on the TV show here in the studio. So if you're on Facebook Live or uh, Rumble, you can see that. You know, a Black Panther, total radical back in the 60s and uh, went to jail. She was convicted and they have a show on PBS. Let me just read you this story. And and then uh, my family has uh, a personal connection to this story. Believe one of these things is not like the other. That's what you think until you dig into the past. On Tuesday's PBS, on Tuesday's PBS episode of Finding Your Roots, Henry Louis Gates Jr., this is a week ago, interviewed Angela Davis, whom he said came to the show to have the mystery of her lineage solved. In the show's final moments, Gates revealed that the investigation into her ancestry dated back to her 10th great-grandfather. Hold that for a second. I'm going to skip down here. Davis emerged in California during the late 1960s as a prominent civil rights figure and a member of the Communist Party. She continued to support radical far-left politics and is currently a professor at the University of California in Santa Cruz. No shock there. Amid her social justice activism, Davis, Davis was placed on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list for her alleged involvement in the armed seizure of a Marin County courthouse in California that left four people dead, including a judge. Davis went into hiding but was eventually arrested and charged with murder, kidnapping, and criminal conspiracy charges. She was imprisoned for 16 months before being released on bail and later acquitted by an all-white jury. In 1972, born in Jim Crow era Birmingham, Alabama, Davis told Gates she had always assumed that her ancestors were slaves. While that's partially true on her grandmother's side, she also descends from slave owners. Hmm. So back to the beginning of the article. In the show's final moments, Gates revealed, uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr., the host on PBS, Finding Your Roots, revealed that the investigation into her ancestry dated back to her 10th great-grandfather, a white man named William Brewster. Okay, now William Brewster isn't just any old white guy uh, back in the day near the founding of the country. He wasn't just another of many. He was born in England in 1570 and traveled to America on the Mayflower. <laughs> a visibly stunned Davis, no kidding, said, quote, No, I can't believe this. My ancestors did not come here on the Mayflower. That's a little bit too much to deal with right now. Wow. They didn't give her advance notice of that. Uh, while that's part, uh, born in Jim Crow era, Birmingham, Alabama, Davis told Gates she had always assumed that her ancestors were slaves. While that's partially true on her grandmother's side, she also descends from slave owners, a piece of information that runs contrary to the message of the current social justice movement for which Davis advocates. According to the lineage, David's mother was named Sally Beale, and Beale's father was a white Alabama attorney and lawmaker named John Austin Darden. This was another surprise for Davis. The information of her lineage only drifted further from the social justice dogma. Her fourth great-grandfather, Stephen Darden, was born in colonial Virginia in 1750, boom, mic drop, and later served in the Revolutionary War. 
After the Revolutionary War, Darden moved from Virginia to Georgia, where he owned a farm and six slaves. Angela's grandmother, Molly Spencer, lived next door to a white man named Murphy Jones, whom the genetic profile showed to be Davis's grandfather. Jones and Spencer had four children together. Murphy later sold Spencer 22 acres of land for $200, PBS reported. On processing the information about her ancestry, Davis told Gates, I always imagined my ancestors as the people who were enslaved. My mind and my heart are swirling with all of these contradictory emotions. Now, if you know who Angela Davis is, if you've seen her, she's got very light skin for an African-American. And uh, like, well, like, just think about the irony of all this. If reparations were to actually go through someday, does she cut herself a check? How does that work? Because she's descendant of some slave owners, not prolific slave owners, but slave owners nevertheless. And she goes all the way back to William Brewster. Here's a kicker. I got this from my uh, rather smart, probably borderline brilliant cousin, Vance. This was back in uh, June of 2020. I was talking about U.S. history stuff on the air. And uh, Vance, thank you for this as always. As you were talking about the pilgrims today, I thought you might be interested in knowing that we are descended, this is on my mother's side, from two of the families that were with the pilgrims and signed the Mayflower Compact. Isaac Allerton Sr. and family were actually on the Mayflower. And Reverend William Brewster IV and family signed the compact. Whoa. Another of our family was John Penn, the brother of William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, who was one of the few colonial founders that did it right with respect to the Indians, by the way. At least he tried. These are both from our uh, grandmother Johnson's family tree. So that would mean that Angela Davis, former Black Panther, Marxist, communist, radical, and yours truly shares some blood going all the way back to the Mayflower itself. So perhaps, my sister's watching, uh, perhaps that's where some of our radical nature came through. Because if you're going to jump on a boat and travel for a little over two months and cross the ocean and risk your life to come to America to try to set up a, sign, a shining city on a hill, you've got to have a little bit of a rebel spirit, do you not? Unfortunately for Angela, that rebel blood went in a really destructive direction. Uh, I'd like to think mine did not, but isn't that fascinating? So be careful what you wish for. And that should humble her because look, look, Angela, you are not uh, personally responsible for what your distant family members did with respect to slavery. You're not personally responsible for that. Yet you were willing to hold every white person responsible for it. Yet you're a part of that crowd. And uh, that's got to be, obviously, it was shocking to her, hopefully humbling to her. But it just goes to show you that you're, you're not trapped in your lineage. Uh, and sometimes if you have really bad lineage, you can rise above that. And you can have really good lineage that has a lot of disappointments after it. Go look at the lineage of uh, Jonathan Edwards, First Great Awakening. And it's crazy all the amazing people that came out of that, but not all of them. But also, you also have to be careful, be humble. You got you to, gotta, listen, if you're, a, if you're a Christ follower, either we're, we have to be humble or we will be humbled. So many times in the last 30 years, uh, my wife and I, when, when we would talk about something or some situation or some person, and we would realize that what we were saying was not something we could really put on an altar and present to the Lord, usually she would be like, oh, that's going to come back. Meaning, 
you just release this spiritual boomerang based on probably most of the time my own arrogance. And, and then sooner or later, God brings that puppy back around and you get smacked in the head with it. And a good lesson here in, in, in humility. And before we pull that finger out of the holster and start pointing at everybody, you might want to do like Jesus said and take a look in the mirror and deal with the plank in your own eye before you deal with the speck in your brother's eye. So that was fascinating and, and uh, amusing to me that I'm some somewhere way, way back related to former Black Panther, Angela Davis, all the way back to the Mayflower, which I feel quite honored to be a part of that. And I'm not personally responsible for anything that went wrong with them or what they did. And they're not responsible for mine either. We're all responsible for our own decisions. I'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. What a great song, Saturday in the Park, which is what we're going to be doing this coming Saturday in San Francisco, outside, actually, at our son's wedding Saturday. Uh, so pray for that. Pray for our travel. We've got a bunch of people traveling all the way from all over the country out to San Francisco. So that's this coming Saturday. So we're excited about that. Hayden, who many, many moon ago uh, was my uh, producer here on the show, answered the phones and everything right here in Raleigh. I think he was 15 when he started and, and did that for three years and took off for college and abandoned me uh, and then abandoned us once again and moved all the way to, to uh, San Francisco because he just has a heart for the city and so many people roll their eyes when he was moving out there and they oh, he moved to San Francisco, lands of fruits and nuts and all that kind of stuff. And I used to say the same exact thing uh, until your son wants to move there. And, and from a career perspective, that's the right place for him being in the gaming industry. Also a Star Wars fanatic because uh, like his daddy loves Jesus. But uh, but he had a heart. He, God just gave him a heart for the city. So I had so many people that would just roll their eyes. Oh, you're moving out there. And I'd always be like, you remind me of somebody. And disruptive statement, right? In the middle of them waxing on about him moving to California and specifically San Francisco. I'd, you remind me of somebody. Like, what? Who? I'd say Jonah. You remind me of Jonah. Just let it fall into the depths of the sea. Let it. I mean, I mean, how many times have I said that? California, land of fruits and nuts. Just let's get the, back to the Superman movie. Uh, drop a nuclear bomb on the San Andreas Fault and just let the whole thing sink into the depths of the sea. Except Jonah, God had a heart for Nineveh, and God has a heart for San Francisco. So our son moved there for that reason. Actually, the in- incredible young woman he's marrying, Macy, moved there for the same reason. They they both also moved there to be a part of a specific church. And it's that, that in that church, in that city is where they met. So God just, with the cherry on top, for them having a heart for the city, just allowed them to, to meet and fall in love. So we're excited for that. And then our other son, Clay, just got engaged on Saturday. So it's been quite the week for the Noble family. So we'll be uh, on a plane tomorrow heading out and then I'll be back in the studio, God willing, next Tuesday. So on the subject of marriage, it's kind of sad. I knew this was out there, but there's some reports that came out recently. Uh, U.S. marriage rate has declined 60% since 1970. So the modern world is not working. A new study by the National Center for Family and Marriage Research revealed that marriage in the United States has declined precipitously in the last half century by nearly 60%. 
Whereas the marriage rate in 1970 stood at 76.5%, today that is more than half, down to a paltry 31%. Sociologist Andrew Sherlin of John Hopkins University noted that the findings reveal that the formal benefits of marriage are continuing to dwindle as the rise of cohabitation and co-parenting have eroded historic social pressures because we're becoming, we're so radically selfish. We don't want to tie ourselves to anybody or anything. It used to be a basic institution that everyone had to buy into in early childhood, Sherlin told Axios on Saturday. You got married, then you moved in together, and then you got a job. However, quote, marriage is now becoming the last step into adulthood, Sherlin argued. Surprisingly, academic studies about American social attitudes towards marriage have not changed considerably despite the rapidly changing wedding landscape. Whereas nearly three-quarters of seniors surveyed in 1976 expressed an interest in getting married, that number only dropped by 3% by 2020. So they say they want to get married, but they don't. And then this was from Psychology Today. Okay, just going to pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about this. Here's the title of Psychology Today. Why are so many young men single and sexless? I'm good with the sexless part if they're single. Of course, that's God's call on their lives, on every human being's life. Anything outside of that is sin, as we all know. Uh, Recent Pew research indicates that over 60% of young men are currently single. Sexual intimacy is at a 30-year low across genders because everybody's uh, online. And then, of course, leads to the third point. Generation Z men are excessively uh, turning to porn to satiate sexual needs with long-term consequences to their sexual health. And young men must prioritize real-life relationships and intimacy attuned to the shift in priorities that women have already made. And this just reinforces the unfortunate reality that uh, Gen Z right now, basically 15 up to 24 or so, uh, is called the loneliest generation. And they're like the hippies. They're looking for a lot of the right things, like the Jesus Revolution movie said. Uh, Lonnie Frisbee said it. They're looking for a lot of the right things in all the wrong places. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever. Now you're looking for it online and pornography and your social media platform and how many people like you or follow you. Are you, compli- are you complying with the most recent trends? Do you look like the most popular influencers? That's where you're going to find your satisfaction, right? Study found that among men under 30 years old, over 60% are single, almost double that of women in the same age bracket. And like Alan Hahn said last week from Iron Academy, uh, we're pretty much graduating boys all over the place. And women are being forced to marry boys. When they get married, not only are more young men single, but their opportunities for developing a relational and sexual repertoire have all but vanished as levels of sexual intimacy across genders appear to have hit a 30 year low. Things are not what they once were in this article from Psychology Today. A young woman continued to pursue intimate relationships less intently post pandemic. That's the shutdown, which didn't help anything. And now as we're learning more pretty much every week, how much of a just a contrived lie the whole thing was. Men could have increased their relationship skills to close the effort gap. They could have confronted their relative avoidance and challenged the gender norms that made them so anxious about intimacy. They appear to have done the opposite turning even further away from real-life relationships and into the virtual world. Another thing about Christianity, when you do it God's way, you find great fulfillment. And when you stray from that, you pay for that. We all know that. Raise your hand. I know it personally. When we stray from God's plan for us relationally, sexually, we pay for it. Guilt, shame, you know what I mean. In a recent interview with The Hill, psychologist and masculinity researcher Fred Rabinowitz of the University of Redlands pointed to pandemic-era adaptations that have lost their utility. He suggested that young men are watching a lot of social media. They're also watching a lot of porn. And I think they're getting a lot of their needs met without having to go out. No, they're not. 
Young men are, in fact, watching a lot of porn. It's the next paragraph. Data from the United States, United Kingdom, Australia, and Italy suggests between 76 and 87% of 18 to 29-year-old men are consuming porn regularly. Faced with the choice between an energy-intensive, high-competitive dating environment and the low-effort rewards of porn, young men appear to be taking the path of least resistance. These choices will have lasting relational consequences as young men have fewer dating opportunities to develop real-life intimacy skills and competency. Young men simply do not have an option but to counteract a generational inclination towards avoidance and withdrawal. See, this is all, this is antichrist. That's what all this is. Avoidance perpetuates avoidance, and that is the last thing 20-something-year-old men need right now in their lives. Lastly, it is unclear whether porn use is currently satisfying the sexual appetite of single-generation Z men, as some suggest, but absolutely clear that young men are watching a lot. That high level of consumption from their preteens to the 20s is having a negative impact on their sexual health and satisfaction of a generation. As the pandemic recedes, it is past time for young men to step away from their devices and into real-life dating situations. It is time to brave rejection for a chance at a romantic relationship and reach their fullest potential. Well, where is the full potential defined psychology today? What circular, which predates yours by, you know, a few thousand years, pointed us in this direction all along? Well, that would be God's word. Of course. As usual... And so as we have a generation, and I, would, and I would propose to you, if you haven't seen Jesus Revolution, go see it. And then ask the question my wife asked when we first watched the first time at our house and I had an online screener, which was, who, who are the hippies today? Who's the hippie generation today? Looking for love and satisfaction and fulfillment in all the wrong places. They're not looking where God designed it for be, which was for most people on this particular topic was within the confines of marriage. They're not looking there. They think they're getting satisfied online with porn, but that's not going to satisfy them. All it does is enslave you, and you end up holding the bag at the end. You get to the end of the the rainbow. There's nothing there. You climb the ladder of success only to realize, like one famous person said, your ladder was on the wrong building. It's really sad. And as the country and the nation and the culture goes away from the things of God, this is the price you pay. And so we suppress the truth because you don't want the God of the Bible. That's why Time Magazine, before the Jesus Revolution, is God dead. And then once they saw him move in an amazing way during the Jesus movement, the Jesus Revolution, uh, three or four years later, the cover of Time Magazine is Jesus Revolution, (laughs) an actual cover. And that's what we need again. And that's what the young people need again. I think that Gen Z are the hippies today. They're looking for all kinds of stuff in all kinds of places. They got all kinds of options. The menu is enormous. It makes the menu at the Cheesecake Factory look small. Even the menu of your gender, trying to find an identity that will offer you fulfillment. A little taste of contentment. And so the devil just throws all kinds of fake garbage in the water. And all these little hungry fishies, Gen Z hippies, gobble it up, hoping hoping they're going to find fulfillment. And it's not there. And they, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, depression, anxiety, suicide rates going through the roof. And Satan laughs. He just laughs. It's sad. So make sure we're having conversations with our young people, your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters, pointing them to the ultimate source of satisfaction, the Lord, and then life done his way where you'll find an abundance of it. That being life and satisfaction. 
and contentment and joy and happiness only through Christ. That's our job. Let's reach those hippies out there. We'll be right back with David Fisher. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. So good to be with you, but it'll be good to be gone. <laughs> Honestly, jumping on a plane tomorrow out to our um, son's, oldest son's wedding on Saturday in San Francisco. So we're excited about that. Uh, best of show tomorrow. Pastor Chris Connell will be in here on Wednesday. Stu Epperson Jr. of the Truth Radio Network will take Theology Thursday. And then uh, he might be back on Friday. Don't know that yet. And then Pastor Chris will be back in the studio next Monday. Then I'll be back, God willing, uh, next Tuesday. But in the meantime, there's lots going out there uh, in the financial world. So we'll do a Money Monday update with our good friend David Fisher uh, from Landmark Gold, landmarkgold.com. Last week, uh, stocks just got smashed. We'll get to that. But let's get our compass set straight, David. Thanks for calling. And then let's jump into uh, just an amazing book of the Bible, the book of Isaiah. But thanks for being here. Absolutely. In fact, I love this scripture, uh, Isaiah 41.10. And by the way, the producer, if you can let them know that I'm getting my voice back in my head here okay. through the feedback loop, all right, uh, that'd be great if they can work on that. So the scripture says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness with my righteous right hand. Uh, so thank you, producer. Uh, sounds great on my end. Can All you right, still great. hear me, Steve? Yep, I got you. We're good. Thanks. Okay. Well, boy, do I, did this scripture bring home to me here recently. I have another milepost of a praise report mm. with my uh, heart recovery. So I went from my, you know, when I got out of the hospital in 2018, I can walk 100 yards there. I was completely out of breath. Uh, I went, been working out six, last six months, about three days a week, 20 minutes a day. I just recently changed it to an hour wow. a time for four days a week. And <laughs> on Valentine's Day, I uh, got done with my workout, got home, had breakfast, had my protein shake, and all of a sudden I had this feeling like something feels weird in my body. Long story short, I had every symptoms of a heart attack. Had to call 911. I got to do the ride in the ambulance. And uh, this thing was cycling of a heart attack. They asked me if I ever had a heart attack. I said no. And those that heard the story before, my doctor, cardiologist, said I'll never have a heart issue. So in the ambulance, I just said, Lord, I just trust in you. And I actually started witnessing to this guy in the <laughs> ambulance about, the, about my history a little bit and found out he was a brother. So long story short. I had to remind myself not to fear, because God does not give us a spirit of fear, mm -hmm. timidity, but a sound mind, That's and right. he will strengthen us, and he will hold us in his righteous right hand. What came out of this? I've had such a complete recovery. I got way too much stimulus going on in my heart from this <laughs> device that they put in that saved my life. So they had to lower it by 40% and wow. cut my meds in half. So those <laughs> that we think this thing is going to hurt us, harm us, that are, is coming into our life, it's actually God trying to show you something, his sovereignty and his faithfulness. Mm, yes. And, uh, boy, the, the taxi cab driver, the ambulance driver, all great people. wasn't wasn't a fun experience, but I wasn't worried. 
Yeah, pretty amazing. And that, and that takes us, let me just read that passage again, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And that's why when we start leaning on ourselves, David, either David or Steve, uh, <laughs> we get that all messed up. And, and you go back to this and go, well, who's going to... Who's, who is our God? Who will strengthen us? Who will help us? Who will uphold us with their righteous right hand? Well, God. And, and that's the only answer. That's where you can get uh, all of that dealt with. And, and whether you're in an ambulance or, or at a wedding, uh, that's always true. And it's such a great reminder for all of us. And praise the Lord that, that you're feeling better. So la- last week, stocks weren't feeling pretty, pretty very well. They were, kind of, uh, <laughs> they were kind of in an ambulance last week. So uh, what happened? So this report, well, first of all, the market's overvalued and the earnings are not supporting the the stock valuations. That's one thing. And the Fed keeps saying we're going to hike rates. So the PCE report came out, personal consumption expenditures. It's it's one of the main measurements of inflation uh, and on consumer spending trends in the U.S. economy. It's published monthly. And... It is the number one thing that the Fed uses to determine if they should raise rates or not. It came out red hot saying we do have inflation. And I've been saying on the program here for the last couple of weeks, just be careful. The market's leaning to the downside. Yeah. It's not out of this recovery yet. We're down 5% in two weeks, the S&P is. And this report caused the market to go down more. Uh, the, the Dow was down almost 700-plus points on Friday. So inflation has returned with a vengeance. It sent shockwaves through the bond market, through the stock market. More rate hikes are coming. Uh, and more importantly, the Fed has been right in, even though I don't like what they're saying, they're finally right in this that we're going to have more inflation and we're going to have elevated rates for some time. Yeah, and they, and they don't really have a choice. That's just uh, the way it's going to be for a while. And that ultimately will will do. Are we still thinking stocks will ultimately be lower as a result of all that? Or I mean, they bounce around a lot. We know that, but but ultimately, over the course of the year, David, would we expect to see stocks lower at the end of the year than they are now? So yeah, I think so. I. We keep hearing from mainstream media that, you know, the gurus, so to speak, or the commentators saying everything's under control and inflation, even the White House saying that. I don't agree with that theory. I agree with what my, my checkbook my, says, that groceries cost more still now. Uh, gas is, might have a, a relief right now for the moment, but uh, we're going to see higher prices, and we're going to see this whole CPI number moving up, I think. Not extremely, yeah. although here's a guy that says it's going to go to 12%. He runs a fund for 30 years. Um, Wilkerson is his name, Michael Wil- Wilkerson, and you know he's saying between 8 to 12% is where the inflation, the CPI number is going. So wow. um, yeah. I don't know if I hold that, but there's going to be three, re- three more Fed rate hikes at a quarter of a point now, it looks like. Those are back on the table. Uh, just don't get caught up in this thing and have 100% of your money. Move okay. some money to cash. Get diversified. You uh, texted me earlier today, David, about uh, something you saw on CNBC about a wealth tax, which starts to sound a little bit like a bail-in. Tell us about that. So I yeah at six at at five thirty six this morning I I was in my office doing some studying and and reading but I had the TV on mute so I didn't hear what they were saying I glanced over and here's the caption it said reducing the U S debt 
is a wealth tax the answer? I thought, oh my, that's the synonymous term for a bail-in. I can't believe they're talking about a bail-in on CNBC. So I tried to rewind it. It wouldn't rewind. I, we've done some studying since then on CNBC's website. They were talking about um, Medicare and Social Security not being funded and a huge problem coming. But the, the term wealth tax is a, a synonymous term created by the International Monetary Fund. And there's this big report that I've talked about before on page 49, a 105-page report that says a wealth tax, a capital levy they also call it, it's also called a bail-in. So anybody we hear the levy, capital levy tax, wealth tax, bail-in, those are all synonymous terms. So I don't know if CNBC was going in-depth and actually talking about it because they didn't. Right fully say the whole video was not on there. They cut off the end, and so I can't comment fully saying that they're actually talking about a bail-in, but definitely uh, did say that Joe Biden, President Biden, wants to quadruple taxes. Yes, you heard me right, that quadruple on stock buybacks. So they're, the government clear, clearly confirming that yeah. they're going to have to raise taxes, they're after our money in some way, shape, or form. Who knows if this is being talked about in-depth mainstream media on the bail-in, but it's certainly being talked about by the FDIC publicly. And that's why we we always end up talking about this, why uh, actually holding gold and silver, in this case coins, which is what you do, uh, is is a way to kind of hedge yourself against that because the bail-in's a very real possibility. As things get worse in this country, the government will get more desperate and desperate uh, times to demand for desperate measures. And that's where the government's setting itself up and already has in many ways to be able to literally go in through the electronic world, especially we talk about getting a a federal currency, a digital currency and all that mess. And the bail-in where they basically lift out of the people's individual wealth, uh, what they need to cover their rear ends. And the thing that they can't touch is the the gold and the silver that the Noble family has in a, P, has in a safe deposit box. Yeah, so physicals is not part of the bail-in because, you know, people ask me, well, how can that not be? Because bail-ins, all the, the eight of them that were done in Europe and the one that is set up for the United States, it's done electronically. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, pensions, 401ks, IRAs, according to Fox News. But gold and silver is a physical product. When you buy gold and silver from Landmark Capital, we ship it to you physically. You get it in your hands. So if they bail in, they flip the switch, all they can get is your paper assets. They can't get a physical asset. So that's that's one big reason. And now is the time to be looking at, I'll leave you with this thought, there's a guy named Ronald Peter Storfield. He's a strategic uh, market uh, guru, I'd say, and he is, he's a fund manager. He's saying now's the time for investors to be positioning in the gold market. So call my company to learn about that and uh, get the free white paper on the bail-in and also the uh, good, bad, and ugly on what might happen this year. Yeah, get yourself educated, which we uh, bark at our kids and our grandkids about that, but we need to do that ourselves, get an education. So how can people contact you, David? Simple. They call us the old-fashioned way, 844-604-2575. Again, the number, 844-604-2575, or go to landmarkgold.com. Thank you, pal. God bless you. Have a great week. I look forward to talking to you next week when we get back from uh, San Francisco. Enjoy your family. Thanks, buddy. We will. God bless you. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, 
ever forward.